0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. You know, my brain has the ability to give me any dream I want. Any dream in the world that I want. Yet here I was just a few short hours ago, trying to finish a podcast when I find out that I had booked a flight to Texas, and my flight leaves in about 10 minutes, and I can't find any information in my emails because I can't remember how to spell the city name. I think it was Austin, and I had like run through all the vowels. I'm like, is it A-U-S-T-I-N-O-N-E-N? What is Austin? Maybe it wasn't Austin, but it was something like that. Not only that, I'm trying to finish the podcast still. I haven't My, I I have, I don't know why I'm in some kind of a hotel. I think I had just flown in somewhere and I thought I was going home and somebody reminded me like, no, you said, you got to go to Texas, man. You got to catch a connecting flight. So I'm in like some hotel. I think my flight leaves in 10 minutes. So I don't know why I'm bothering to even try at this point. Completely panicked, completely stressed. And to make matters worse, the end of my podcast was a little distracting um, because David Bakhtiari was there and he had some kind of a, like, just a one-man party going on. I'm talking, he hit the lights. I don't know how he's hooked up this hotel room, but he hit the lights, and there's, like, flashing blue lights and music, and he's just having a one-man dance party, dude. So I'm kind of chuckling, like, huh, I guess we're done, because Dave's over here freaking kind of being rude, and I can't spell Austin, and I'm supposed to catch a flight. I'm not even, like, I, I got to cram all this stuff into my bag and head over to some terminal, but I don't know what terminal to go to. I don't even know what to, what to do when I get there. Presumably, I booked a hotel. I don't know. Somebody just told me about this flight, and I'm just, I, I, I guess I'm just assuming they're correct. I don't know. That's the other thing. I don't I don't—I don't know. It's, I'm just along for the ride in these dreams, and my brain is not filling me in on stuff. Like, is, is he making this up, and I'm just believing him? Or do I have a memory of this? Because I, I don't have a memory inside of my dream about doing this. But of course, I didn't ask those kinds of questions. I just started throwing clothes in a bag, panicking. Pizza boxes strewn all over the place. Probably Dave's. I'm sure that wasn't me. Crazy thing is, I I just now remembered why I would have had that dream. It's it's weird how things will happen and my brain gets so stuck on it. It's when you go to sleep, it's still thinking about it. But then it's also got a couple other thoughts in my head. For some reason, David Bakhtiari was on my mind. I don't understand that one. But I was watching Six Hundred Pound Life yesterday. I think it was like season five or whatever, there was the twins, and one of them coded, heart stopped, and they called grandma, and grandma's like, all right, I'm, I'm hopping on a flight, like boom, right now. And I was thinking about how crazy that would be to just be like, I'm just going to drive to the airport, I'm going to hop on a plane, you know, I'm not, I'll get there at like one in the morning, and then I'm just going to drive straight to the hospital. And then like, you know, she stayed there for like a day, make sure she was okay, and then just got on a plane again and went back, and for some reason... I was just, I was like daydreaming about that. Like, what would that be? That'd be kind of crazy. And it was, it was both bad and good. Like that would be really stressful and take a lot of time. And I'd probably be really tired because I wasn't prepped for this at all. And I'm usually asleep by now, but I'm, I'm, you know, at the terminal waiting for a plane and I'm stressed about, you know, getting there and I got to get a rental car. And do I know how to get to the hospital? I don't know. If you can tell, I I struggle with anxiety sometimes. (laughs) Just taking through just a portion of how my brain works. Can't even enjoy a TV show because I'm trying to figure out if she knows the directions to the hospital when she lands there. Does she know the name of the hospital? Because she's not going to have internet service on the plane. So when she lands, she's 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 starting fresh. Plus, you're worried the whole flight. Like, if I land, am I going to get a text? You know, because you get that barrage of text messages. Am I going to get a text message that she passed away? But then again, the other part of me is like, dude, that's kind of cool. Like I, I also think about that sometimes. Where it's like, you know, plane tickets aren't that expensive when it's just you. Like, I wonder if it would be permissible. And I'll have to talk to the wife about this. I'm guessing it would not be. But if she was like, what do you want for Father's Day? And it's like, I want a plane ticket to Florida. Now, hear me out, because I know that sounds bad. Hear me out. It doesn't have to be today, because obviously I want to spend Father's Day with you guys. But just on like a random day. Let's call it a Friday. And I'm going to take the day off. So it's just like I'm at work. I'm not going to get a hotel. I don't need to stay there. It's fine. I just want to fly there. Because there's something magical about just walking off the plane and that, like, warm Florida air hits you. I remember that when I was a kid. Because the last thing you felt was Chicago temperatures, right? We'd fly out of O'Hare. We'd live near O'Hare. And it was, you know, either cold or, you know, whatever the temperature was. But then all of a sudden you're on a plane and that's consistent temperature. And then you get out in Florida and it's like, dude, what is this air? Do you feel that? It's, It's so hot. It's awesome. It's so hot. Let's go outside real quick. Like I just, I just want to do. That. I just want to be there. Like I'll catch a red eye. I'll get there bright and early. I'm not even gonna pack a bag. I'll wear warm clothes over, um, or cold clothes over warm clothes. Well, whatever you understand. I'll put my Wisconsin clothes over my Florida clothes, and I'm just gonna walk out of the airport. I'm gonna find a little little restaurant with some out, outdoor seating. I'm just gonna sit out there, have a meal, look at palm trees. I won't even get a rental car. I don't need a rental car. See if there's an airport that's close enough to the beach. I could walk. I mean, if, if it's within a few miles, I'll walk there long as I'm not walking on a highway. Again, anxiety. Not about walking on highways. I'm just saying that's how my brain works. Like I don't know. What what kind of traffic is there? Do I have to cross like a major street? I'm not going to the beach. Plus, getting out of airports is crazy. The amount of cars coming in. Trying to walk out of an airport. It's like playing Frogger, dude. There's no way. You can't walk out of an airport. I'd have to get a taxi to usher me. Maybe that's what I would do. Get a little Uber to the beach. Spend like three hours. Come on back. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Anyways, all right. So we had a little football yesterday. And um, borderline perfect day. I don't want to be nitpicky. It's a borderline perfect day. The only thing I really wanted from the first game was a good game, and it was, although it didn't feel like a good game. It felt like the Bengals just annihilated the Raiders from start to finish, which is basically what happened. But unfortunately for the Bengals, it was one of those games where somehow you've been better for four quarters, and it's a really close game. And that's never a fun feeling. But it was. It kind of came down to the wire. I don't know if anybody really expected the Raiders, who, again, have been playing pretty poorly the entire game, to actually come back and mount a, a, a comeback. And I don't know if I even wanted them to at the end. I mean, I, I didn't know who I was rooting for. I kind of was rooting for the Raiders just because sometimes a game starts and you just kind of pick a horse and it's that's just what you're stuck on. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. You say you just want to root for a good game, and then you just, I don't know. It's like, I don't know why I don't know why I'm angry that they got that first down. I really don't. Because I keep saying, I don't care, but I'm really upset by that. But anyways, it got to the point where it's like, if they win, that's not right. I mean, I guess it is. You, you win, you win. If the Bengals lost that game, they deserve it. But the Raiders didn't deserve to win that game. I will say this too. And I, I know there, there was a lot of complaining about the officials. I don't know because the volume was so low. I don't even know what the calls were about. I just saw that there was a call and then, you know, I I know that I was constantly annoyed too because every single time I saw a play and it was like, hey, there's a play, nope, nope, oh, never mind, penalty. Hey, they're... nope, nope, penalty. I don't know how good or bad the calls were. I just know that they annoyed me, like a lot. But I will say, if if the Raiders had played a clean game, I think they win that game kind of kind of easily because they they were just sloppy. And again, the fact that they're sloppy and just bad and were within striking distance of just scoring a touchdown and at least tying it. You now whatever. And then the other game, um, I didn't really watch very much of it. I went to bed. I kind of got the gist of it. And I I just, I didn't, you know, Buffalo was up by, I want to say it was like, I don't know, 21 to three, something like that when I, and I wasn't even watching it consistently, but it was one of those things where it was like, all right, Buffalo won. And if they didn't, I sure as heck don't want to watch New England come back and win. So I'm going to bed. I don't want to see any of this nonsense. And again, it was good from the standpoint that New England's gone, and I'm glad. I want Buffalo to stay on top over there. I want Buffalo to put New England back in their place and say, nope, I'm sorry, you had your time, your time is done now. If you want to make an occasional appearance in the playoffs, that's nice, that's cute. Um, Hopefully, for your sake, you don't come in contact with us, because, again, I have an obligation to dispatch you um, out of the playoffs. You cannot be better than us. So, uh, best case scenario for you, you play somebody else in a wild card, they really stink, and then we meet you later, and you know, at least you win a playoff game that way. But the negative side of it is um, Buffalo having a historically good game. Um, literally never in the history of the NFL, at least according to what I'm seeing on Twitter, I haven't looked it up and I don't even know how I would if I could try, never in the history of football, in the over 2,000 some odd teams that we've seen. Never once in any game has a team had a perfect offense, which is to say every single time they got the ball, they drove down and scored a touchdown. Every single time. Now, obviously, the last one was a kneel down. You don't count that against them. And you could if you wanted to. I mean, I guess if somebody wanted to break that record, they could just not take a knee and, and score. And then, you know, you kind of go one up on them. But that's a little bit scary. But at the same time, it's kind of not. I, I had somebody message me on Twitter and say, are the Patriots just that bad? And my response is, this is what I've been saying about Buffalo and New England all year. These are the teams, both of them, are the teams that will annihilate you and then will get beat, right? You either get annihilated or you annihilate somebody. So this game was right perfectly on brand, but it also would have been perfectly on brand if it was the exact opposite. If the Patriots annihilated Buffalo, it would have been like, yeah, this is exactly what I've been telling you. This is exactly what I've been saying. This is what these teams do. So that's just what it happened to be. And it's not, a, again, it's not a matter of, can Buffalo do that? It's a matter of, can Buffalo consistently do that? Right? 27, or 47 points is not anything necessarily new for the Buffalo Bills. However, um, it is the most points they scored this year, and they have not done that since week 10. They haven't gotten to 30 points since week 16. The defense has been pretty consistent, but the offense not quite as much. I mean, they scored 27 points against the Jets. They scored 29 points against the Falcons. So, I mean, yeah, you, you look at it and say the Patriots have a really good defense and they just hung 47 points on them. That's scary. Okay, explain to me the Jets and the Falcons. Or how about the fact that, well, no, that, that has an explanation. All right, 15 points to the Colts. Six points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you, you know, we did Laughing at the Enemy talking about the Buffalo Bills. And if you remember on one of them, the guy was just talking about how Josh Allen just Has not been playing well this year. He's not the same guy. He's been kind of struggling. So the offense has been kind of iffy. And even the defense, although it's been relatively consistent 17 points this game, 10 against the Jets, 15 against the Falcons, 21 against the Patriots is still relatively low, 14 against the Panthers. But then they allowed 33 against the Buccaneers. They allowed 41 against the Colts, 34 against the Tennessee Titans. So they don't usually give up a ton of points. But it does happen on occasion, and it does happen against pretty good teams. And guess what? You're in the playoffs now. You're going up against pretty good teams. I mean, even even um, even the Bengals, if that's who they end up playing, which is pretty unlikely. But you know, I wouldn't even say the Bengals are a good team, but they have a pretty good offense. Could that be the kind of team to hang 30 points on the Bills? Tennessee, we've already said, did it once. Kansas City absolutely can. So then it's just a matter of, OK, we got these offenses that can go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo defense. Can the Bills' defense stay up like this? Can you keep scoring 40 points, 30 points, whatever the case may be? Especially against more uncommon opponents. I mean, you played New England twice already this year. You kind of got a flavor of them. Maybe you just got them pegged at this point. Because again, aside from that crazy blizzard um, windstorm game, you already knocked them out once before in a massive way. But you've been significantly less impressive against other teams. Some of them a lot less talented than New England. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's a general annoyance that I have when people make sweeping declarations based on one game and just completely act as though the entire season hasn't already happened. One game happened, and we know Buffalo is the best team in football, and they're going to annihilate everybody. Why? Look what they did to the Patriots. Okay, look what they did to the Jets. Every week is a different week. Every week, you might as well break down not just teams based on, on year, but based on week. The 2021 Packers aren't just one team. The 2021 Week 1 Packers and the 2021 Week 5 Packers and the 2021 Week 15 Packers are all different teams. They all have different flavors. Aaron Rodgers is different. The defense is different. The players are different. The style, the scheme, the attitude. I mean, just, just the, the physical players based on injury and COVID and uh, midseason pickups. We didn't have Razul Douglas Week 1. And yeah, this version of Buffalo is one of the, I mean, it's not just the best version of Buffalo this year. It's one of the best versions of any team we've seen pretty much ever. And saying that more or less statistically, I didn't watch the game, but it certainly sounds like there was zero resistance, at least on offense. And again, defensively, uh, 17 points is not a lot, but there's no reason to assume what we saw this week is what we're going to see forever. There's no reason to even necessarily assume it's what we're going to see next week, especially when it's such a massive outlier. You expect them to get every, every drive as a touchdown? Like, actually expect that? Do you expect them to only allow 17 points against a team that doesn't have Mac Jones as a quarterback? Again, compared to the other rookies, he did fine. He's maybe got a really good career in New England. I have no idea. But comparing him, what, to Pat Mahomes, to Joe Burrow, the highest-graded quarterback via PFF in the entire NFL, even Ryan Tannehill? I'm sorry. There's no comparison. New England did a real good job for what they had, but that offense is in shambles. Who's the biggest star on that entire offense? How many people can you even name on that offense? Bill Belichick does an unbelievable job just turning nothing into a a high-caliber team. But the fact of the matter is, this is not, you know, especially when, again, you get into the playoffs, you're you're going to have a real hard time turning what that is into a real legit contender. And when your defense can't get the job done, which is the main thing that you've got going for you, there's there's no way Mac Jones is keeping up. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. He had a pretty good year. He was the 14th ranked quarterback in football. For a rookie, that's great. It's great for your future. But I'm sorry, Josh Allen's been doing this a while now. Ain't gonna happen. So, um, it does show the potential dangers of Buffalo. It does not show the imminent danger of Buffalo. Imminent. I say eminent, imminent. But anyways, let's, uh, let's look into what we're finding out today, which is potentially uh, the very first game of the day we may find out our opponent. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I believe I saw JJ post some optimism that the Eagles went, I think, Boom! Found it. Officially changing my prediction: Eagles beat Bucks. Just want to give them credit if it actually does happen, because I have not seen anybody else say the Eagles are going to win, including myself. But why don't we do this? Let's take a deeper look and see if we can't make the best case we can possibly make for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, obviously, there's some low-hanging fruit here. Uh, number one, the Eagles have kind of been talked about this before, but they're on a little bit of a win streak here. Uh, that is prior to them getting blown out by the Dallas Cowboys. But again, they didn't play all their starters. So if we disregard that game, they've won uh, their last four in a row. Again, not against good teams, Washington, New York, Washington, and New York. (laughs) It was the Giants and the Jets, but they're interchangeable, same garbage. Unfortunately, that is somewhat canceled out by the fact that Tampa Bay has done almost the exact same thing, with the exception of their one loss to New Orleans, which, I mean, granted, that's a big one, nine to zero. But, you know, New Orleans kind of has their number. It's a very weird thing. They beat that They've had four losses all year. Two of them were to New Orleans. Otherwise, they beat the Panthers, beat the Jets, beat the Panthers, beat the Bills, beat the Falcons, beat the Colts, beat the Giants. They've been on a bit of a tear. Now, well, they, you could say that they've lost a bunch of players. That's true. They did. They've been losing players fairly consistently. Um, the wins they've had, 30-17, 33-27, 32-6, 28-24, and 41-17. to 17. These are pretty convincing wins. Um... And they don't necessarily seem to be slowing down very much. Again, the last three games they've played have been not good. Panthers, just Panthers. That, those are terrible teams. And you say, well, they don't have Antonio Brown. The last time they won a game pretty convincingly that was against... Well, not convincingly, but they beat a good team, was Buffalo. They didn't have Antonio Brown in that game. The one thing they did have, however, was Chris Godwin, who had 105 yards in that game. So, you know, again, it, it is going to get to the point at some point where they're going to need these guys. They're going to need... um Chris Godwin, they're going to need Antonio Brown. These guys that at some point had pushed them over the edge. Uh, The other player that did well was Mike Evans, 91 yards and a touchdown. He's still there. I just, the point is though, I don't know if it's going to be against the Eagles. I don't know if they're one and done because they lost these guys. I mean, if you just look at their offense uh, in the top 10, they do lose two guys in the top 10. Again, um, Antonio Brown is the second highest graded player on this team with an 87 overall grade. Chris Godwin, 81 overall grade. But um, they still have Mike Evans, who is 10th. They're getting back Leonard Fournette. Alex Kappa, the guard, still there. Rob Gronkowski, still going strong. In fact, he had back-to-back games that were pretty dominant. The the, the interesting thing here, though, is keep an eye on Rob because he's got this really weird thing where he plays two really good games and then he's trashed. 85-88, followed by 46-44, followed by 75-93, followed by 66-62, 46-49, and then the last two weeks... 82-90. 82-90. That's his two games. So if Rob doesn't, if Rob has a bad game, especially you're talking about a guy that's pushing 33 years old, his body has been through um, a lot. You know, granted, he's got playoff experience, but your body starts to wane a bit. Now You look at last year, he he did fine in the Super Bowl, but otherwise he did not grade out very well. Against the Packers, 57 overall grade against New Orleans, 60 overall grade in the wild card game against Washington, 49 overall grade. But anyways, he's still there. Um, Donovan Smith, their tackle, another guy that's in their top 10, he's still there. Uh, Ali Marpet, the other guard. So again, the offensive line is solid. He's still there. Tristan Wirfs, the other tackle, he's still there. And then finally, the highest graded guy on the team, and this is the biggest reason why they're dangerous, is Tom Brady. Tom Brady has a 92 overall grade. Um, The only... He had a 93.3 last year. I mean, he just he just, he just refuses to fall off. He refuses. He's got wide receivers. He's got an offensive line. He's got a running back, and he just gets to stand back and operate. And that's what he does. He stands there, and he just operates. He's had three basically elite games in a row, 88, 85, and 90, or his last three games. The two games prior to that, 50 and 63, so he is susceptible to having bad days. And somewhat interestingly enough, one of his bad days was against Philadelphia. Um, 68 overall grade was uh, his highest low grade. So he's had a, a 50, a 63, a 63, a 66, and a 68. And that 68 was against Philadelphia. So, you know, it, it, it's flimsy, but it's possible. My, but the only thing I struggle with, and granted, I said pretty much the same thing about Bill Belichick yesterday, and that proved to be massively wrong. But it's just the experience thing. It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. He knows what to do. He knows what how to act in here. Um... And, and you know, again, on the other side, what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, no disrespect to Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts, dude, Jalen Hurts versus Tom Brady, right there, just it it just seems impossible. The nine and eight, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles, against the thirteen and four, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just I just don't see it number two overall offense, number five overall defense against the number 12 offense and number 18 overall defense. If we look at it contextually with DVOA, Tampa Bay is the third best overall team. Philadelphia is down here at 15th. If you look at offense, Tampa Bay is the number one offense via DVOA. Philadelphia is uh, 11th. So not bad, but again, it's just it's against Tampa. Defensive DVOA, Tampa actually falls in, in regard to their actual ranking, which, again, it's good to see when you contextualize that they're not as good as they seem, but still, they're ninth. Philadelphia is known for having a really good defense. That's like the thing that everyone's supposed to be scared of for some reason. Um, Philadelphia ranks 25th with their defense. Well, that's for the season. You got to contextualize it. You got to look a little bit more. Okay, let's look more recently. Well, should, we, should we stick with the five-week rule? Let's do midseason and then we'll do the five-week rule because that's a fun little thing that we did the one time, and that's now my new favorite thing, is the last five weeks. Since week nine, Tampa Bay overall, second. Philadelphia overall, eighteenth. So it got wider. The gap got wider. Tampa Bay got better, Philadelphia got worse. Offensively, Tampa Bay, number one. Philadelphia, 13th. Defensively, Tampa Bay is ninth. Philadelphia is 24th. All right, but what about the last five weeks? Again, you said they won like four out of their last five, et cetera, et cetera. Tampa Bay, number one overall team. Now, granted, New England's number two and they lost, but New England's number two and they lost to the number four team. And again, like I said, they're both very high variability teams. So one team was very likely to blow out the other team. Otherwise, I mean, it was either an immovable force unstoppable force meets an immovable object situation where you got both of them peaking or, or crashing at the same time, or it's one or the other. We saw one of the other. Bills had their high day, the New England had their low day, and that's the outcome. But still, the number two lost to the number four. Tampa Bay is number one the last five weeks. Philadelphia is 15th. Offensively, Tampa Bay number one, by the way, since we're looking at it, Green Bay number two. Philadelphia ninth. So the offense did get a little bit better in the last five weeks, that's great, but you're still going up against the number one. Uh, defensively, Tampa Bay is seventh, Philadelphia 22nd. So you have the number one offense in Tampa. It doesn't matter if you're talking the last five weeks, the last half a year, or basically the entire year. One of the best offenses in all of football. I understand that the injuries fine. Knock them down a couple pegs. They're still a very good offense. Going up against a very subpar defense, ranking 22nd, if you go back mid-season, 24th pretty much anything even if, if you look at weighted since week 14 which skews more heavily toward more recently and a little bit less as we go further away they go from 22nd to 23rd so they're they're slowly getting worse not getting better whereas Tampa Bay if you weight it they still are number 1 they don't get any, they they stay on top their their DVOA does go down a little bit 28.4 26.7 but Green Bay at number 2 is at 18.8 that's how wildly better Tampa Bay's offense has been producing than Green Bay's at number two. That's how unbelievably, shockingly good their offense has been. Unfortunately, um, and again, the last time that they played, Philadelphia's defense was significantly better. The last time they played, and it was kind of close, um, where the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers won twenty eight to twenty two. It was kind of close, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be a there, there, there's no data that I can look at. You know, going right back to point differential, Tampa Bay is fourth. 158 Philadelphia is 13th with 59 and we already know points four points against is in New England's favor the only I mean and, and then it would ultimately come down to well you would need Philadelphia to play at their best an inexperienced playoff team with a bunch of of uh, I mean rookie everything young coaching staff young players at least the ones that you're going to be relying on like the quarterback they're gonna have to play a super clean game. And Tom Brady's going to have to falter a little bit. Now, that's happened in the past. He didn't even play that super clean of a game against Green Bay. But you know what? The team overall, team overall was pretty clean. And it was the Packers that were unclean, despite the fact that those guys should know how to play in a a championship-type game. There was a clear lack of discipline from top to bottom. I don't expect Philadelphia to play that much better than what they are, and Tampa Bay to play that much worse than what they are to compensate... For just what they are, and this is played in Tampa, so Tampa's at home. It's 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 Tom Brady. It's playoffs. I just, it's not impossible. I just I don't see really any avenue. I mean, football's football. Crazy stuff happens, and believe me, I'm cheering real hard for Philadelphia. I'm hoping for it. I just don't see it. And by the way, um, another thing that uh, JJ had asked on Twitter was something to the effect of, "Would you rather go toe to toe with Tampa Bay for the opportunity to get revenge?" Or just bypass it entirely. In other words, have Philadelphia win. Look, I, I understand the whole pride thing. Oh, I want to win the right way and all that stuff. Do you you want to go up against that team? I just told you Tampa Bay is better than us. That was not necessarily the case in 2021. And yeah, maybe getting these defenders back. Maybe Aaron Rodgers playing at, at this high of a level with with uh, Devontae and, and mixed with all the uh, the injuries with Tampa and all that stuff. Maybe we get them this time. Maybe. But why? Why do you why do you want to do that? you have the opportunity to if you had the power to bring Philadelphia to Green Bay, which is not a guarantee in and of itself. you still got to play really good football against Philadelphia. They are a playoff team. they, they, they will beat you if you're sleeping. That's that's the, the the entire theme that Green Bay needs to learn this year. You cannot fall asleep. I don't know why you keep doing it, but you gotta knock it off. You gotta stay up for three games Win three games, play play hard three games. if you're gonna lose at least lose with dignity for once. Stop losing, playing like garbage. Suddenly, the best offensive line in of football forgot how to block everybody. Tampa Bay's best game ever that entire year as pass rushers was against the Green Bay Packers both times. Give me a break. But if you're going to lose, lose at least like you did to Minnesota, right? It, I'm not saying it was a perfect game. If it's a perfect game, you win the game. But it was, just, it was just two teams clashing into each other, and we lost. That was it. Just wasn't good enough. Not like the Saints. But yes, if you're asking me, if you have the opportunity, would you rather have Philadelphia win and you and you kind of more so limp to the next round by beating a subpar team, or subpar is not really fair, but you know what I'm saying, or go toe-to-toe, it's, it's not even close, dude. Listen, if, 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 I could, if, if the assumption is we win the Super Bowl, would you rather have gotten there the hard way? Yes. But the odds of us winning the Super Bowl drop dramatically if Tampa Bay is our first opponent. Dramatically. Well, they wouldn't be our first, but you get the point. And by the way, if Philadelphia beats Tampa, there's no reason to believe that that's going to be a pushover. They just beat Tampa. That's always the the problem with these things, because you don't know who to root for. Do you root for the better team to win, or do you want the better team to lose, but then have to face the team that just knocked off the better team? You probably want to play the lesser team, because again, like I said, it's about consistency and the odds that that team is consistently playing at that high of a level, unless, you know, seen that several times where they catch fire and end up winning the Super Bowl, whatever. I don't know. But no, I, I don't, I'm I'm excited, but I have a feeling by the end of the first quarter, everyone's going to throw their hands up and be like, all right, can we move on to the next game? This is stupid. That's my, that's my sort of expectation. If nothing else, I want to see some clear signs of distress on Tampa, having, again, lost their two top wide receivers. By the way, you know who just got activated for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Levante David, one of the better linebackers in all of football. And we talk about, well, they lost all these guys recently. Yeah, they, they've been doing what they've been doing without Levante David since week 15. That guy alone keeps me up at night, just thinking about him. Third highest graded player on their defense, maybe the best defense in all of football, and they haven't had Levante David. They just got him back. You know who else they just got back? Shaquille Barrett, one of the best pass rushers in football, at least statistically. He just got active. I don't know if he's playing, but he wasn't listed on the injury report, so, you know. Yeah, but they lost Richard Sherman for the year, so now they're doomed, right? Richard Sherman played almost nothing this year. He had a 53 overall grade. He played in five games. He played terribly. He only played a lot of snaps in two games, weeks four and five, and he was terrible. He played six snaps in week six, 21 snaps in week 14, three snaps in week 16. Now he's done for the year. Richard Sherman was not a major contributor for this team at all. So if we want to look at the injury report, again, Shaq Barrett, good to go. Um, Cyril Grayson, wide receiver, is out for the game really not that impactful, other than the fact that they've lost a lot of wide receivers at this point. But um, they've got Mike Evans, who's their number one. Godwin obviously is out. They've got Tyler Johnson, number two, uh, just in terms of snap counts. Antonio Brown is out. After that, you've got Brashad Perriman, who is back and playing. And then you got Scotty Miller before you get to Cyril Grayson. So they've still got four wide receivers before you even get to this guy. And again, that's part of the issue. They still have wide receivers. They got They got lots of them. Maybe not quite as good, but they're they're they still have wide receivers. Um, running back is going to get a little bit iffy. Uh, Leonard Fournette was taken off of IR, but apparently he is not playing. Those issues compound uh, when you look at Ronald Jones. Also, is not playing. Those are their top two running backs. That means we're down to Giovanni Bernard. However, Giovanni Bernard was put on IR recently. Effectively, that means that Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, who does have a rib injury, he's not. He's full participation in practice, but uh, he's the guy. If you're wondering who else they're going to be able to get involved, well, they, as of Week 16, brought in Le'Veon Bell. He's been playing since Week 16, so now they've also got Le'Veon Bell. He'll be able to fill in some of those pass-catching reps, um, as well as being just a general running back, but they'll try to make do. But here's a little prediction for you. With no running backs playing in this game, I think they're going to probably throw the ball a lot. Compounding that issue, if you look at, again, going back to DVOA specifics as far as defense is concerned, Philadelphia has a minus 6.2 run defense, which is which is pretty solid. It's 6.2% better than your average defense. They rank 19th in that category, but um, they're 25th in pass defense. So, hey, you know, whatever. On the opposite side of things, the uh, Eagles look like they're pretty much full go. Um, there's only two guys as questionable, Nate Herbig as well as Josh Sweat, but, um, well, I guess we could check in on Ian. Nope, oh, and I lied. Uh, Giovanni Bernard might actually play. I don't know if I have confirmation on that, but he was taken off of IR. I don't know. It, 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 it just it doesn't matter. There's, I'm trying my best to find any kind of an out here, any kind of a way, and there's just, I got nothing. So I'm hoping for a miracle. I'm hoping that the Eagles just play great and the Bucks fall. just have, you know, sometimes teams just have bad days. Bucks haven't had one in a while, maybe, but... There's not a lot to to really run with here. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll take a peek at some of these other games and uh, I guess sort of how I think they're going to shake out and what that means for... um, We're still going to have to wait for Monday, so I guess we won't have an NFC thing figured out, but we'll, we'll know the AFC. If you'd like to jump in and help support Drew, get his seizure service dog, that would be greatly appreciated. You can find that pinned to the top of my Twitters. Thank you very much to Dennis Dockery for jumping in. With the $20 donation, we are at $3,275 to help him get his seizure service dog. So if you're looking to help out, that is one great way that you can help out a fellow Packer fan. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So something else I'm very excited about. um, Once in a while, I get to do some kind of fun partnerships. There there would never be a better partnership for me than a meat partnership. I have been talking with somebody local. um, I would like a little help getting the word out. And so I will wait until it's officially official, but I am pretty excited to... um, be able to help out a local small business that is doing one of the greatest things anyone can do, and that is give people meat. So hopefully I will have some information on that for you very, very quickly. But why don't we talk about the maybe the most anticipated game of the playoffs here, and that is the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I would almost venture to say that I've seen more people say that the 49ers are going to win than say Dallas is going to win. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little surprised at the sudden tone that I've seen in support of the 49ers. Not saying that they are a bad football team, just that they went from being sort of a laughingstock to, since they beat the Rams 27-24 to 24 in overtime, suddenly they are one of the best teams in football. They are just a dynamic, horrifyingly good offense, one of the scariest defenses. And, and I, I kind of was taken aback by that, right? I mean, they did beat the Rams barely. Before that, they beat the Texans. Who cares? Before that, they lost to the Titans. Before that, they beat the Falcons. Who cares? Um, and then they beat the Bengals in overtime, which is good. But um, I, I think a side-by-side comparison of what they've done recently compared to Dallas, I, it's, I, I'm just a little, little thrown off. And again, even I, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just recency bias. Again, beating the Rams by three makes you the most elite team in football. I just, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And maybe it's just general media hype that some fans are kind of buying into. I don't really fully understand it. And and I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just surprised by how loved they are. But I will say, based on if if we're going by DVOA, there is some merit to it. In fact, they are ranked higher than the Green Bay Packers. In fact, most of the playoff teams are ranked higher than the Green Bay Packers, but San Francisco for the entire season is fifth, with the, uh, excuse me, sixth, fifth overall in weighted DVOA, which again, looks at the more recent. Dallas, however, is number one overall. So again, it's kind of like the whole Buffalo and New England thing, where they're, they're close enough together where you could see one thing or the other happening. And I know all this is making you sick. And you'd much rather hear me just hype up the Packers. I'm just reading you information. Nobody wants to hear Dallas is is the best team in football. Nobody wants to hear San Francisco is better than Green Bay. I get all that. I completely understand. If you want to fully just completely uh, hate this entire DVOA metric and completely write it off, let me just tell you this. Seattle is ranked higher than Green Bay. They're eighth. There you go. Now you can just write it off entirely. Uh, if you look since midseason, San Francisco doesn't really move very much. They're moved to ninth offensively. They're sixth defensively. They're 17th. So the defense did slide a bit. Dallas does fall from the number one spot to the number five spot. So again, they're getting even closer offensively. They're third defensively. They're seventh the Packers, by the way, since midseason have dropped all the way to 15th um, offensively, 11th defensively, 16th. Obviously, offensively, that's going to improve as we get closer but that's what it is since the midway point, just to give you some context. So again, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, because if you just look at the teams, I don't see a lot of impressive things about San Francisco. But apparently, at least insofar as DVOA is able to um, provide context, they see a much better team. It's just one way to provide context, but there you go. And if we look at the last five weeks, um, the Dallas Cowboys are back up to third offensively, their eighth defensively, they're third. So the defense has surpassed the offense in terms of their production. San Francisco is down at eighth overall, sixth, uh, offensively and eighth defensively. Green Bay is at 10th. So still not above, even though they have the number two offense defense is ranked 16th. If we flip it over to PFF, uh, PFF doesn't actually necessarily disagree with any of this. Um, they just have everything a little bit more compressed, including the Green Bay Packers. They have Dallas as the number two team overall, Tampa Bay, or excuse me, uh, San Francisco is the number five team overall, and Green Bay is the number six. So I don't like the information. And I can look at this sideways and go, "Mm, I don't know about that, Chief. But I just don't have a lot to go on outside of this. The one thing I do have that, again, is a pretty good metric is point differential. Dallas is second, Green Bay is 10th and San Francisco is 12th. So what that kind of tells you is San Francisco is not necessarily bludgeoning people. But also with as many losses as they have, seven losses, uh, it tells you that they're not usually losing by a ton. Um, They lost to Green Bay by two. They lost to Seattle by seven. They lost to Arizona by seven. They did get blown out by Indy uh, and Arizona. Um, Seattle was by seven and then Tennessee was by three. So they generally keep it kind of close. But they also don't win big either, generally. They had like three big wins. Uh, They had one against L.A., which is impressive, one against the Jaguars, who cares, and then one of them was against the Falcons. Interestingly enough, if you look at PFF in terms of, okay, what did you grade so well? um, For the offense overall, they have San Francisco number two, Dallas number one. PFF has this as the number one and number two offenses in all of football. If you break it down based on passing, So we're primarily or maybe exclusively looking at quarterbacks. Dallas is 6th. San Francisco is all the way down here at 16th. Pass blocking. Dallas is 3rd. San Francisco is 7th. So both pretty good as far as the pass blocking efficiency so far. Now, we haven't talked about who's playing and who's not and all that, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I'm just trying to show because there's going to be a lot of side eyes. Like, dude, why are they so much so considered so good? Receiving is the biggest one, though. The San Francisco 49ers are number one overall. Dallas is number two. So that's the one I want to hone in on. Why do they have such a good receiving grade? Well, George Kittle has a 91.2 overall grade. Debo Samuel, 84.7. Brandon Aiyuk, 76. So it's not necessarily that there's a ton of guys who grade out really well. After that, there's really nobody. But you've got three guys grading out very, very well. Um, that's, going to, that's going to give you a lot of production. Debo Samuel has 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. George Kittle is just under 1,000 yards. Brandon Ayuk, 816 yards and five touchdowns. And so really, when you're talking about the 49ers, this is your bread and butter. This is, this is what's making your team go right now. If you look at uh, rushing grade, which is what you generally think of as being San Francisco's forte, they're down here at 19th. Dallas, you think of it as being their forte, their ninth. Uh, You've also got run blocking. San Francisco and Dallas are tied for number one overall. So these are just individual components. And if you kind of break it down, like, okay, that's cool. That's how you got higher grades or whatever. But do these things actually, I mean, clearly quarterback is most important, right? Maybe pass blocking, you know, getting a high grade because your run blocking is good is is not the greatest way to get there. But then on top of that, you look at defense. And this is where you're going to find massive disagreement between um, DVOA and PFF. Largely because the DVOA does not see Green Bay as a very good defense, the PFF metric has them third overall. And this is where there is that discrepancy between production and talent, which is unfortunately the same discrepancy we've seen even under Mike Pettin, where all of a sudden you got a a bunch of guys playing really well, but they're just not, they're still not stopping things right? Rashawn Gary, the stats are through. All the stats and everything else, even the grades, like guys are winning, but they're, it's like they're winning independently and not working very well as a unit. So, and I think that is the big delineation where DVOA is looking at production. It's looking at, okay, in this situation, you should only allow like two yards or whatever, and they give up seven. Well, then you suck. But on that seven-yard play, Rashawn Gary got a hit on the quarterback, but the ball got out just in time and got to a receiver who's standing wide open. So score one for talent, but deduct for production. And it is a frustrating thing because, again, we've seen this since 2019, where it's like, man, we got the best this, we got the best. I went through all of it, right? The entire defensive line, basically top 10, not just, you know, well, maybe their grades are flawed. The Statistically, the corners, look how great of a job they're doing. I mean, statistically and grade-wise. Linebacker, Devondre Campbell, give me a break. And it, it's not all because Savage is just so bad. Like the, the entire thing falls apart because Savage is, is subpar. That doesn't quite do it for me. But anyways, defensively, they have the San Francisco 49ers 8th and Dallas 12th. And, and again, this is for the year. But anyways, that is kind of the picture for um, this team is it's, you know, you've got a left tackle that is playing about as well as I've ever seen anybody play. You look at the, the grade 98.3 for Trent Williams. I don't know if I've ever seen a grade that high for a season grade, like ever. Uh, George Kittle, 90.7. Debo Samuel, 87.2. Tackle Tom Compton, 86.4 you got another guard, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, playing really well. You've got running back Elijah Mitchell at a 76 overall. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, 75.5. I know he's not the greatest in the world, but he's he's capable. Brandon Ayuk, I said, 74.4. Alex Mack, the center, at a 70.7. And Mike McGlinchey, another tackle at 70.6. I don't think he's playing, but again, it doesn't matter because Tom Compton's coming in and being even, even better. So you've got a capable quarterback behind a dominant offensive line with three basically top-tier receiving options. My biggest question is, what the heck are they losing for? Why are they losing so much? And really, when they lose, it is on the offense primarily. I mean, again, if if we set that 24 as like the magic number, when they're under that, that's where all their losses have come. They lost 23 to Seattle, 21 to Seattle again, 18 to Indy, 17 to the Cardinals, 17 to the Titans, 10 to the Cardinals again. The only loss they had where they scored more than twenty-four points was to the Green Bay Packers. They scored twenty-eight. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, I mean it's Nick Bosa's Nick Bosa, right? 90 overall grade after that. It kind of drops down seventy-seven point nine for Eric Armstead. I mean, it, it 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 tapers pretty quick after that. And even Eric Armstead is sitting right at right, I mean, right at ten percent. Fifty-two pressures, five hundred and twenty-one attempts. Arden Key is doing a decent job statistically. Uh, at least as far as a pass rusher, 36 pressures, 260 attempts, but the run defense is really subpar. Um, I mean, the de- the defense is 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 doing a great job, but it's it's sort of the opposite situation of the Packers. They don't have a ton of just elite players everywhere. You got Nick Bosa and who else? Jimmy Ward at safety is doing a good job, uh, especially against the run. But if we just kind of go group by group, the defensive line has got some pieces. Linebacker, what do they got? They got Fred Warner, but Fred Warner is not exactly peak Fred Warner. He's still Fred Warner, no question about it, but he had an 88.6 overall grade last year, a 72.1 this year. He's allowed three touchdowns, no interceptions, three pass breakups, 112.9 passer rating when targeted. Um, He has a 67 run defense grade, 63 pass rush grade, 72 coverage grade, and the corners are not that good. You got Emmanuel Mosley is doing fine, 68 overall grade, but that's about as good as it gets for the corners. But Then you flip over to Dallas and this is my my biggest issue, and again, again, it's hard to argue with the. I don't I don't even know if it is. I don't know. It's, it's really weird because you've got a lot of conflicting things when it comes to San Francisco. Dallas is understandable. Dallas is burying people, and if you look at their grades, well, there's a lot. They have 15 different guys that are 70 or above on their off just on their offense. Granted, not all of them are starters. Not all of them play all the time. But Zach Martin, 94.2 overall grade. Tackle Tyron Smith, 91.9 overall grade. Tony Pollard, 86. CeeDee Lamb, 84. Lael Collins, 84. Dak Prescott, 84. Uh, some other random guard, 80. Malik Turner, 80. Uh, Dalton Schultz, the tight end, 78. Connor Williams, guard, 76. Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, right there in the mid-70s. So you've got what? You've got five co- oh, five wide receivers that are in the 70s or higher. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Malik Turner, and C.D. Lamb, ranging from like 72 to 86. You've got a quarterback, and you've got a dominant offensive line. You've also got a tight end that's playing really well. What The heck? Oh, and your halfback, Tony Pollard, is one of the best in football. I mean, what, what are we missing here? Yes, I know Ezekiel is also in the mix, whatever. Then you flip over to defense, and again, it's not just um, three guys, You got Demarcus Lawrence with a 91 overall grade. He's back. You got Micah Parsons, who's one of the better defensive players in all of football as a rookie. 67 pressures and 14 sacks on the season. You've also got pass rusher Randy Gregory, who has 43 pressures on 308 attempts and 6 sacks. You got linebackers, a couple different good linebackers. You got Kelvin Joseph at corner who's playing. Playing well. He started like week 8-ish. You got the interception machine, Trayvon Diggs. He doesn't grade out very well, but he gets a lot of picks. Based on his track record, he's more likely to get a pick in this game than not get a pick. And you know, the, the funny thing about all this, and this is, I'm banging my head against the wall because I'm trying to find an answer. And and at the end of the day, nothing that you look at makes any sense. I'm doing the same thing that I said annoys everybody else. You look at like the, the best of the best and say this is they're, they're completely unstoppable. Yet, how do you explain losing to the Cardinals 22 to 25? With all the stuff that I just listed, how do you score 22 points? And really, at the end of the day, it just comes down to who's going to be able to execute what it is that they want to do. Both teams have shown the ability to play offense and defense. Those two things can't both happen at the same time. If Dallas's offense is doing a good job, they're overcoming the 49ers' defense. I still think Dallas is the better team. I think they have a bigger pile of better players. They are playing in Dallas. And they also just have the the bigger ability to overcome and to just put your foot on the neck of somebody and crush. And, and let's not forget, as much as people might not like, um, you know, just the, the win-loss thing in terms of what that actually means, winning is all that matters. And if you can say San Francisco is really good because they have all these different things, why do they keep losing, right? That is a problem. It's the exact same thing I just said about the Packers. A pile of talent isn't good enough. You have to execute, and and so far the defense has a pile of talent that hasn't been able to figure out how to put that together and make it one of the best defenses in football. They're a subpar defense with high-quality players, which is completely unacceptable. San Francisco, apparently, based on a lot of different metrics, is a really good football team, but they can't win. They're 10-7. and That's not a very good record. So figuring out how to take that talent and take that ability and turn that into a win, which is all that matters, is something that Dallas has done a better job than San Francisco. Does San Francisco have the firepower to take out? Of course they do, but I'm taking Dallas. And outside of that, the only other game is one that I I really don't even want to invest a lot of time in. It's a late game. It's an AFC thing. It's Pittsburgh versus Kansas City. Um, Would I love to see the upset of the century? Yes, I would, but um, I mean, you want to talk about a team that has really figured it out. I mean, the Chiefs were three and four to start the season. They've lost one game since, and that was to the Bengals by three points. Um, they have been kicking the living daylights out of everybody. Maybe that's an unfair way to put it. They won by three against the Giants. They barely beat the Packers without Rodgers. But um, no, they, they they have they have been a absolute force. 41-14 against the Raiders, 19-9 against the Cowboys, who's a team that we just talked about is a quality opponent. Uh, 22-9 against the Broncos. The defense in particular has been impressive. Not every week, but stuff like that is crazy. Uh, 48-9 against the Raiders. They have just completely embarrassed the Raiders this year. 34-28 against the Chargers. They already beat the Steelers 36-10, which is pretty much what I envisioned happening again, and then again beating the Broncos to finish out the season in a game that really didn't even matter. Steelers, on the other hand, have a really hard time stringing two wins together. Um, even when they did go on a four-game win streak, they had a buy rate in the middle, so there was still a week in between. They had a win followed by three losses, then two wins, then a buy, then two wins, then they had their tie to the Lions, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, and then they won their last two, barely beating the hapless Baltimore Ravens 16-13. to I mean, look, they're, they're not completely incapable, and if you want to take it to the Chiefs, do what Tampa Bay did, get after Pat Mahomes, beat that offensive line, and they do have one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in the game, so that's maybe something to hang your hat on, but how in the world does this offense do anything? This is I mean listen this is the 21st ranked offense 20th ranked defense in terms of points. I'm not going to dig too much deeper into this. I don't even care about the injuries. It doesn't matter. If if the Chiefs lose it's because they 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 just played like garbage. There's no reason for the Chiefs to lose this game. None. So with the Chiefs winning um that should send uh Cincinnati to Tennessee, Buffalo to Kansas City next weekend. Um and again, if if we got, we got to, we're looking for two miracles here, at least I am, Philadelphia and um, Pittsburgh. If that first miracle does happen, Philly does come our way. If not, there's a chance that San Francisco... Th- th- there is a good chance we end up finding out who we play this week. If either Philadelphia or San Francisco wins, we know the answer. If not, we're going to have to wait until Monday. I think we're going to be waiting until Monday, but we will just have to see. Anyways, you guys enjoy your Sunday. It's a big, big day, and uh, again, it's just nice that we get to not really have to stress about these games. Sit back, relax. the the, the, the biggest issue when you do this is you look at it and go, "Man, these teams are good." Uh, you look at the Bengals and all the weapons they have. It's like, "Man, I wish we had something like that." Which, of course, we do. I mean, the problem is we have the context of the Green Bay Packers in the back of our mind. If you just did what I did for the Green Bay Packers, you'd be looking at PFF and all that stuff and be like, geez, this team is ridiculous." Plus, getting all the guys back. Oh my goodness! But. We have the context of all the flaws of the Packers while looking at just the raw data of all the the talent that these other teams have. The nice thing is we're going to be able to sit back and watch not super talented things happen. Unfortunately, there's a good chance Tampa Bay and Kansas City are going to dominate, so we're going to watch Tampa and say, we're not going to beat that team. They're going to win 42-7, to and it's like, this sucks. Maybe that happens in the Dallas-San Francisco game, but I think more than likely we're going to see human beings. That's my hope anyways. I just, I want to be able to enjoy today, not watch a bunch of teams that are like, man, I don't know if we can beat those teams. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You guys enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.